Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digests from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Between a full-time job in IT and a full-time job in podcasting, it gets harder and harder to sit down and read the books I'm interested in. This is where Audible comes in. I can listen on my daily commute, relaxing, or while out running errands and still get in the books I've been wanting to get into. You can download titles and listen offline anytime, anywhere. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. Now you can try Audible risk-free with a special 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash nerdery and murdery. That's audibletrial.com forward slash nerdery and murdery. Don't let your busy life get in the way of that great book you've been wanting to read. Go get your free trial of Audible today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is Jeffrey, and we've talked about many times before that I experience problems and struggles with my mental health. And really, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy does work. It's helped for me. But but what is is therapy exactly? It's it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships at work or you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's really time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles. And, and it's time to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And there's a special offer to Nerdery and Murdery listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash nerderyandmurdery. That's betterhelp.com forward slash nerderyandmurdery. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. It was the dark time, a time without light, without joy. And in 1996, we got the light back, and it was quickly snatched away, and I'm still mad. All right, welcome to episode 134 of Nerdery and Murdery. Big 134, I'm Zig with your Nerdery. And I'm Jeffrey with your Murdery. Welcome to another week of the highs and lows and the ups and downs, the good and the bad. Have you watched Echo yet? I have. Echo was great. Echo is awesome. Really, <clears throat> really enjoyed that, that one a lot. I, I wasn't real familiar with the character hardly at all, uh, except for you know what she was in in Hawkeye. But that was it was really good, really well done. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I thought it was amazing. Um, some of the scenes where they're like in uh, Cahokia and stuff like that. They're actually in Cahokia. It was awesome. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, yeah, that's what it looked like. Also watched uh, Reacher. It, that, that second se- season just finished, which is Reacher, if you haven't watched it, is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a rumor out there that Alan Richson... Richson, Richson, I think his last name is. Anyway, uh, there's a rumor that he may play the next DCU Batman. Really? Yep. Yep. Which I think would be fabulous. He's he's great. I love him in Reacher. Yeah. I absolutely love him. He, he, God, he just kicks some ass. Yes. Yes. And he's funny. Yeah. Yeah, he is. I, I, I love that show. That that's That's a great show. And then last night we watched... We, so we tried to watch Rebel Moon. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I fell asleep. I was bored. Bored to tears. Love that movie. No, was bored to tears. So we ended up turning that off, and we watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I liked that movie, too. That was good. That was a fitting send-off for Indiana Jones. Yes. Uh, very pleased with that. So much better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. God, that was terrible. Oh, I didn't think the movie was terrible. There's two I things thought, that piss me off about that movie. I thought that one was terrible. Oh. So I, I, I was really good that we had a we had a final installment of that. Um, I was really amazed at the front of the uh, at the front of the movie how well they did on the CGI de aging of yeah. Him. That was very very good. Wild. Yeah. yeah, it was really really good. Wild, wild, wild. So, anyway. I know what you're getting into, so I'll let you take over on the nerdery side of the house. Excellent. So as I said in the stab, it was the dark time. So let me take you back in the pod back machine. Um, 1989, um, they broadcast the last episode of Doctor Who. Um, We didn't find out about it over here, or at least in my neck of the woods, until about 1990. And I got no new Doctor Who. We had, you know, the Stranger videos, which were being produced by ITV, which had a lot of the Doctor Who cast in it. It was cool. And they were releasing novels. And uh, they started doing some of the audio drama stuff. And that was cool and and great and awesome. And, And in 1996, they released a movie. Because we started hearing rumblings about 1995. They released a movie. Uh, which bridged the gap from the old Doctor Who to the new Doctor Who. And the idea was they were uh, – the BBC was partnering with Fox Television to bring Doctor Who back. They released a pilot movie. Um, everybody in England watched it, and not enough people in America did. So Fox canceled it, and they were in a sort of a strange legal – trouble so we didn't get doctor who again until 2005 um i'm going to talk about that period i'm going to talk about the eighth doctor and the war doctor because i feel like they kind of need to be put together um even though the war doctor was part of the the new incarnation in the timeline order of the doctor he comes right after the eighth doctor and uh there's a, a short called the the night of the doctor which i've included in our youtube playlist which you can actually see the both of them in there <clears throat> But in 1996, I had been up like a day, day and a half. I think we'd gone out and then we'd worked a really serious, serious 
uh, hard shift. I want to say at the Harbor, maybe the Harvey. That sounds Back right. When it was probably the Harbor. Yeah. We were both working restaurants and it was hardcore and I got off and I, I forgot that it was going to be on. I went over to Don's to watch it and I promptly fell asleep. Don in his infinite wisdom, uh, Don, who's been on the show guys, uh, in his infinite wisdom recorded it. And, uh, I woke up, went home, was sad, got up the next day, went over to Don's, Don popped it in the, in the VCR and we sat and watched it the next day. I thought it was really great. I loved uh, Eric Roberts played the master. I thought it was great. Uh, they brought Sylvester McCoy back for the first part of it and he regenerated into Paul McGann. Um, the movie itself was great. It, uh, it was supposed to take place in San Francisco. It actually, it was filmed in Canada. Um, but even though it was 90, 1996, it was set in 1999 or New Year's Eve 1999. Um, it's probably my favorite version of the TARDIS, um, because it's like a little, uh, like a little English apartment in there. And it was, it was lovely. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, they explored the, the corridors of the TARDIS. Uh, Paul McGann was great as the doctor. I liked, uh, um, the character of Grace. Uh, it was awesome. And then it, it promptly went away for another nine years. Uh, so what we're talking about today is the Eighth Doctor. It's an incarnation of the Doctor, the protagonist of British science fiction television series Doctor Who, uh, who is portrayed by uh, Paul McGann. The character was introduced to the 1996 TV film Doctor Who, a backdoor pilot production in an unsuccessful attempt to relaunch the series following its 1989 cancellation. While the Eighth Doctor initially had only one on-screen appearances, his Adventures were portrayed extensively in subsequent spin-off media, including more than 70 audio dramas starring Paul McGann. So he has done 70 of those audio dramas. I would I would encourage you to go out and listen to them. Um, they are wonderful. They're great for road trips. Uh, uh, the voice acting is incredible. The sound effects are incredible. The music's good. It's just awesome. But in 2013, he reprised his role in the mini-episode, The Night of the Doctor, which I have included in our YouTube playlist, which depicts the Eighth Doctor's final adventure in his regeneration into the War Doctor, played by John Hurt. McGann subsequently reply, replies the role in a brief cameo alongside other past incarnations in The Power of the Doctor in 2022, his first filmed appearance for a television episode of Doctor Who. Within the series narrative, the Doctor is a centuries-old alien Time Lord from the planet Gallifrey who travels in time and space in the TARDIS, frequently with companions. And at the end of the, his life, or her life, the Doctor regenerates, and as a result, the physical appearance and personality of the Doctor changes. Preceded in regeneration by the Seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, he is followed by the War Doctor, and the Ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston. His only companion in the television film is Grace Holloway, played by Daphne Ashbrook, a Canadian actress, a medical doctor whose surgery is partly responsible for triggering his regeneration. In the continued adventure of the character depicted in auto, audio dramas, novels, and comic books, he travels alongside numerous other companions, including self-styled Edwardian adventurous uh, Charlie, the alien Destry, and present-day human Lucy and Sam. So having said all that, I cannot tell you how disappointed I was. Sure you can. Go ahead. Tell us. In 1996. I mean, I can't put it into words. 
I watched the movie again because I fell asleep at the, <laughs> at the beginning, but I went back and watched it the next day and it was awesome. And Don and I talked about it. Um, and for a long time, you could not get the Doctor Who movie because of the licensing with the BBC and Fox. It's still kind of hard to find. You have to buy it. Um, it is in our YouTube playlist, the full movie. It is the at the very end of our YouTube playlist because I was able to find it. Um, it's a very good copy. It's not perfect, but I watched it on YouTube on the television the other day, and I thought it was it was decent. It was as good as any anything else coming out of the mid nineties. Um, they wanted to kind of Americanize the Doctor a little bit, uh, so they brought in. Daphne Ashbrook and, and Eric Roberts. Eric Roberts' portrayal of the Master is incredible, and I kind of wish they would bring him back to play it. I think he has reprised the role in some of the uh, uh, the audio dramas. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's correct. Um, but it's just – it was amazing. It was a good adventure story. The TARDIS was great. Um, Will Sasso's in it in a uh, – uh, sort of a uh, a, a backup uh, incidental character role, and he's great because he steals Will Sasso's uh, costume for a New Year's Eve party he was going to. So he kind of dresses like an old Wild West person because Will Sasso was going to dress up as a cowboy. He he basically dressed as a, a Victorian Western guy. Hey, um, real, real quick, sorry, going back. Has every iteration of Doctor Who had a run-in with the master no oh okay no the first two didn't okay the master doesn't come along until john pertwee okay uh but since john pertwee yes he's had a run-in with the master with every iteration um i think that's right you're the expert wait did eccleston no eccleston didn't meet up with him yeah David i don't Tennant remember that did. from eccleston yeah, David Tennant did. So yes. yeah, no, everyone except for Chris Eccleston. Okay. Chris Eccleston, who uh, who was really unhappy with the production and only did one season himself, uh, actually has gone back to do some audio dramas now too, to kind of help bridge the gap between the two. Um. Uh, no one's really sure what happened there. Um, there are some theories, but. Uh, um, I want to get it because I don't know what's true and what's not. Um, Chris Eccleston just was unhappy with the production and everything else. So I get it. Um, David Tennant wasn't. Uh, Matt Smith wasn't. Uh, Peter Capaldi wasn't. Jo uh, Jody Whitaker. Jody Whitaker, thank you. <laughs> wasn't. Uh, Shuti Gatwa is very happy right now. Uh, as a matter well, of fact, holy. <laughs> Doesn't have that many episodes in, so no, no he doesn't. You but the ones he, he had were pretty good. I, I'm pretty happy with what I've seen so far. Shooty, um, I like the new character. Um, I like the new companion as well. I'm I'm really curious to see the new stuff. I think we're getting it in March. Is yeah, that correct? I believe so. Actually, by the time this episode airs, we may already have it. Um, but yeah, so. I'm going to get up on my soapbox about Fox. The numbers for America weren't bad. Uh, they just weren't what Fox wanted. Um, Fox wanted to, you know, 
wanted to get this property and have it be this amazing thing and everything else. Doctor Who's a slow burn, dude. It's always been a slow burn. Um, it's faster now, but it's it's quintessentially English, and you can't remove the Englishness of Doctor Who from Doctor Who, and and uh, and you know it's not it's not Fast and Furious five thousand and six. It's never going to be that. Yeah, you, you can have some adventure going on, but that's not what the show's about. Um, and I thought Paul McGann threaded the needle admirably. There's several scenes where he and Grace are riding around on a motorcycle and you know through the streets of what's supposed to be San Francisco, but Toronto. There's a there's a gang fight in the opening where the doctor gets shot. Um, it's just. It's really good. You should check it out. Um, but again, it is more like the older Doctor Who, where it is it is it is slower paced than the modern iteration. So, but you can go to our YouTube playlist and check it out. Um, it will play on your Fire Stick. So, and that is why I found it so hard to watch a lot of the old Doctor Who's was because they were so slow paced. I just could I just couldn't keep yeah. with them a lot. Well, I mean, it's the way we got them. We got them in movie format. That's not originally how they were supposed to be shown. They were supposed to be shown as as individual episodes that ended with a slight cliffhanger that added to that storyline. It was a serial. Um, And when you watch them in a movie format, it kind of gets weird. You know, it's it's, it's unusual. It's but it is also very. It's very dialogue driven. Um, And that's that's what a lot of people. That's what a lot of people seem to have a. Well, I don't say problem with, but a hard time getting wrapping their head around. It's like, okay, we're not firing phasers at the Klingons, you know. We're not <laughs> we're not running down the trench in the Death Star. We're talking things out with this alien uh, to figure out why it's trying to take over the Earth or whatever planet it's trying to take over. You know, yes, there's some there's some amazing s- stuff going on, but it's 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 quieter, um, and I think that's why I like it. Plus, I like a lot of the designs in Doctor Who. They're, you know, they're unusual. Um, so, yeah, I can't, I can't really fault Paul McGann's portrayal. I liked him. But then again, I've liked every Doctor I've ever seen. Um, they each all have their good and bad points. They're you know, things I like about one Doctor that I don't like about the other. Uh, with the exception of Tom Baker, the only thing I don't like about Tom Baker is I want more Tom Baker, and <laughs> I don't have it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This 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 was great, and and it really kind of pissed me off because the reason it took so long for the BBC and the BBC uh, Kimberly or the BBC Wales to produce the next Doctor Who is because of the legal fight getting the Fox film made. Mm-hmm. Involved one, they basically had to wait the contract out because uh, Russell T. Davis was ready to go by. Actually, he was ready to go before they did the Fox deal. He already had he already had in mind what he wanted to do. Uh, and when you know, in two thousand and four, when they finally gave him the the go ahead, he was ready to go in a year and had you know multiple doc you know Doctor Who storylines ready to go, loaded and load locked and loaded. Uh, and I'm glad he's back because I'm assuming that Russell T. Davis has the same thing. 
I have not been unhappy with any of the producers of the new series so far. Um, I know a lot of people give crap to Chris Chibnall, but I didn't think he was bad. Um, I just don't think he, uh, I don't think he knew what he had, you know, plus he was also dealing with post pandemic stuff and things like that. So a lot of people are going to give him a lot of crap. I, I do. I do. I wasn't a fan, and, and I don't want to go too far off topic, but I, I was not a fan of the Jodie Whittaker episodes. I liked her as the doctor. I didn't like a lot of the writing and a lot of the stories. I, I just couldn't, couldn't, stay, couldn't stay with it. Couldn't stay with it? Okay. Well, and you, you may feel that way about the, of the Doctor Who movie as well. It's, it's, it's kind of slow. Um, it, it harkens back to the old series a little more. I didn't think Jodie Whittaker's was slow. I just, I, I just thought the writing was bad. <laughs> like Peter Davison? Yeah, a lot of the Peter Davison episodes, the writing was bad. Now, when they hit, they hit. And I will say that with Jodie Whittaker. Um, some of those episodes are incredible. And some of them are just kind of like, uh, uh, okay. Well, you know, and I mean, and it's weird because go back, go to, go to Peter Capaldi. Uh huh. I didn't like Peter Capaldi, Peter Capaldi as the doctor at first. Yeah. Um, he had real gruff. He had to grow on me, but once he did, I thought, I thought the episodes were amazing. Yeah. Whereas Jodie Whittaker, I liked her from the very beginning and I just I just couldn't stay with the stories. They just weren't that good. There was a few of them that 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 that, that had really good plots surrounding them, but mm-hmm. overall the writing was just bad and she had too many companions. Okay, that you didn't like her with the three companions? Too many. Too many. Yeah, uh, uh, Peter Davidson suffered from the same problem. He had a lot of companions, and that. Well, and the stories for Jodie Whittaker became more about the companions than about her. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, the companions' job is explanatory. Yes, for the audience, they're the they're they're the proxy for the audience. Um, yes, I like some of the storylines with the companions here and there, but I think you're right. I think it, it, with Davidson, he had the same problem. It was you know companion centric and we're not there to watch the companions right we're there to be the companions. yes the show is not called doctor who's companions that's right the show is doctor who is doctor who now the companions you know you get a little bit of this or that and you know a lot of companions that complain about that there's only so many times you could say what is it doctor mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah that's that's kind of where we are uh grace holloway held her own I think they cribbed a lot of the Martha Jones character off of Grace Holloway. Hmm. Um, just kind of some of the ideas, some of some of her stances, and her being a medical doctor. Um, just kind of, um, you know, the the Martha Jones character that they brought back for David Tennant is, in a sense, a more episodes for Grace Holloway, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Martha goes comes into her own a little later on. But I think the first couple of episodes, it's like, oh, they wrote this for Grace Holloway. Um, the, the, the other doctor we're going to talk about today is the war doctor. 
this is an incarnation of the Doctor, protagonist of the British science fiction television program Doctor Who, who was portrayed by actor John Hurt. Um, so the War Doctor, not so named within the episode in which he appears, is introduced as the incarnation of the Doctor who fought in the Time War of the show's modern-day backstory. He was created as a result of a conscious decision of the Eighth Doctor, played by Paul McGann, to take up arms and become a warrior. In accepting this duty, the War Doctor dis disowned the title of Doctor, and after the war's end is viewed with disdain by his subsequent incarnations, who reclaim the title that the character is known by. In the 50th anniversary special, The Day of the, the Doctor, however, the 11th Doctor, played by Matt Smith, revises his opinion of the incarnation after revisiting the final moments of the war. In the original concept of the show's anniversary special, Moffat had written the ninth Doctor as having ended the Time War. However, he was pretty certain that Chris Eccleston would decline the role, uh, return to the role, which he did. And he, he also had reservations about making Paul McGann's eighth Doctor the incarnation who had ended the war. He created a never-before-seen past incarnation of the Doctor, which allowed him a freer hand in writing the story. Acknowledging that the success of doing this would be predicting, predict, predicated on being able to cast an actor with a significant enough profile. So Stephen Moffat calls up John Hurd, explains what's going on, and John Hurd's like, oh yeah, I'm in. I'm in. This is awesome. And played it admirably and beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, because the war doctor is is broken and if you watch that the night of the doctor episode you can see how broken the ninth doctor really is at the end and he talks about how he lost grace uh and i'm i'm thinking that she may have died like he lost her like he lost adric i, th I think grace may have died which he, you know it's pretty rare for him to Less rare now, but back in the day, companions didn't die. They just went off. Um, but in a few cases, they actually died. And I want to say that that's what happened to Grace, and it kind of messed him up. Um, so he goes to the Witches of Karn, um, which harkens back to Tom Baker uh, in the Brain of Morbius episode. Uh, but they are very near Gallifrey, and uh, they make this thing called the Elixir of Life, which is based the time lords used to base their regeneration technology because time lords didn't always regenerate they occasionally need to get some of the elixir of life for their regeneration when it goes wrong it's like a it's like an emergency shot for them uh, but the sisters of karn don't regenerate they're just ancient because they drink this elixir of life every year or so to keep themselves alive um which is kind of weird and unusual and um but you really get a, a feel for that in that night of the doctor uh mini episode which again i have included it's it's rough but it's it kind of fits into the 50th anniversary um and you get paul mcgann regenerating into john hurd and at the end of the 50th anniversary episode you see john hurd regenerate into chris eccleston um and it kind of ties the it loops the story back in a kind of wibbly wobbly timey wimey way. Um, but yeah, that's, 
that's that's really kind of it for these two guys. There's not a lot of information out there, um, not a lot of media out there for them mm-hmm. other than the audio dramas. And I think John Hurd came back and did some audio dramas as well before he passed away, unfortunately, um, as the war doctor. But you kind of get to hear the time war, which I think may be – I think maybe a better way to do that. You know what I mean? I think it, it works better as an audio drama. Um, but yeah, that's it for the war doctor and the ninth doctor. The yeah, next, so the next one we'll be getting into is where I really started. I, Chris I mean, even, yeah. Even though I watched, I'm sorry. I said the, the ninth. The, yeah, that's I'm all right. Baby. When I watched some of the stuff in the past, Chris Eccleston was really my, start into really seriously watching Doctor Who. Doctor Who. So that's what we'll be getting into with that. So thank you. Thank you for another uh, uh, journey down that uh, that rabbit hole with the Doctors. Do appreciate those. I know we've got fans sure. of that out there. Oh, yeah. You've done crossovers with uh, with Two Geeks and a Microphone on a couple of Doctor shows. So that's Yeah, really cool. I think we're probably going to do a new one. Two geeks and a microphone and three geeky dads, because uh, we were talking about getting together after all the specials had come out, uh, and I think we've all had time to watch them all. So, cool. I've watched. I've watched them. So they were they were really good. Yep. Awesome. All right. With that, we will step over to the murder side of the house. Murder. For today, I got my information off NBC News, WTHR News, Facebook, Disappeared, and News Nation, and this is the case of the disappearance of Denise Flum. The disappearance of Denise Flum. So the fate of Denise Flum, who went missing in 1986, remains unknown. Despite extensive efforts by law enforcement and search teams, no substantial evidence has ever been found to determine what happened to her. Her disappearance is considered suspicious, indicating the likelihood of foul play. Uh, 18-year-old Denise Flum had a bright future ahead of her. She was a star athlete, she was a gifted artist, and she was ranked at the top of her class. She had dreams of becoming a scientist. Her mother told Dateline she had everything going for her. If she were here today, she'd be working on a cure for cancer, or, well, maybe even a cure for this coronavirus. She just wanted to help people. High school graduation was just around the corner, and in March of 1986, Denise had already been accepted to Miami University in Ohio, where she planned to major in microbiology. She was hoping to go on a track scholarship. She also played volleyball, basketball, and softball. And she lived at home in Connersville, Indiana, with her parents, Judy and David, and her younger sister, Jenny, who was a high school sophomore. Prom was just a month away for the Connorsville High School senior, and Denise had already picked out the perfect dress during a weekend trip to Indianapolis. Uh, Judy said she talked talked her dad into taking her when he picked her up from her trip. I remember her being upset because I didn't get a chance to shop for a dress with her. You always think you'll have more time, but you never know. Denise never got to wear that dress to her prom because on March 28, 1986, she vanished. Judy said it was Good Friday, and I remember it being a really beautiful day, warm. Students were off that week for spring break, which meant getting to hang out, uh, getting to hang out late with friends and parties. Many of the parties in that area were held on someone's farmland with a bonfire at the center of it all. Denise had recently broken up with her boyfriend of three years, and her mother said, quote, she started being more social. She was hanging out with her friends more, dating. 
So Denise went to a party the night before Good Friday. It was a small gathering, which soon turned into several hundred teenagers. Denise did return home that night, but she forgot her purse. The next day, Denise wanted someone to go back uh, with her back to the party site to look for her purse, but none of her friends could go, and her sister had softball practice and also couldn't go. Judy had said, we're not sure why she didn't want to go alone. She was fearless ever since she was a child. So for her to be uncomfortable to go back to the site of the party is unnerving. Something wasn't right. But Denise did end up getting into her cream-colored 1981 Buick Regal and headed out to the party site, but she never made it. Buick Regal. According to the family, the tenant of the farmland told him that told them that he never saw her return that, on that Friday. David Flum told NBC affiliate WTHR in 2018, we do not believe she ever went back to that area. Something or some person interrupted that opportunity to do that. We knew right away something was wrong because she had never been out without our knowledge about where she was going to be. And when the time unfolded in the next day and subsequent next days, then we knew we really had a problem. Judy did tell Dateline she saw her daughter briefly on that Friday. She said, I worked at a bank about a quarter of a mile away from the house, and we got off three hours early. Three hour, th- we got three hours off that Friday for Good Friday from noon to three, so I was home a little afternoon. When Judy got home, Denise told her the plan to go back to the party site to look for her purse. And Judy said, that was the last time I ever saw my daughter. And before I went back to work that day, I had a gut feeling something just didn't feel right to me. Not even an hour after Denise left the house, Judy said a distant cousin of Denise's who had gone to school with her returned the purse to Judy at their house. Judy explained that there were no cell phones back then and no way to call Denise and let her know. When Denise didn't return home that evening, her family did report her missing. Judy had said we thought maybe she had a car accident. We drove all over the county looking uh, to see if her car was in a ditch somewhere. The next day, a farmer from Glenwood, Indiana, reported that Denise's Buick Regal, which was uh, registered to her parents, was abandoned alongside Tower Road, which was a gravel lane east of Glenwood. He said the car had been there since between 12.30 p.m. and 1.15 p.m. the day she went missing, but he told authorities he initially thought it belonged to mushroom hunters. The car, which was locked, was in a rural area near a barn across the county from where Denise's family lived, about three miles away from the party site. I was about to ask that. Is it near the party site? Okay. Her family did said there was no reach of her to be in that area. Investigators were puzzled as Denise had no, no known connections to that area and there were no, no indication of a struggle at the scene. Since the Flum family did not live within the city limits of Connorsville, Denise's case went from city police department to the Fayette, uh, Fayette County Sheriff's Department. A thorough search was conducted in the surrounding area involving foot, horseback, and aerial search teams, but despite these efforts, no trace of Denise was found. Investigators ruled out the possibility of her running away as she had no history of such behavior and it was out of character for her to leave without informing her parents. Fayette County Sheriff Joey uh, Laughlin told Dateline that they, are con- that they continue to investigate the case and follow up on new leads. Sheriff Laughlin said the case has been a difficult one because any evidence that might have been found on or around Denise's car has been lost or destroyed over the years. Sheriff Laughlin said it's very difficult. We're trying to complete a puzzle, a puzzle where a lot of the pieces are missing. Sheriff Laughlin, who had been the sheriff for about 10 years, was just seven years old when Denise disappeared. 
They said the case has been the great mystery of Fayette County for 34 years, but there was constant activity in this case. We haven't given up. Uh, the Indiana State Police has also been brought in to investigate. According to State Police Detective Sergeant Scott Jarvis, the agency collected DNA samples from the family, along with a DNA sample from a baby tooth that belonged to, Den to Denise, and has been put in the National DNA Database System. The evidence that has been resubmitted to the Indiana State Police Lab to check for any new results given advances in technology over the years, but those tests did not provide any new clues. Sheriff Laughlin did confirm that there are several persons of interest in the case, but adds there's not enough evidence to charge anyone. He said, we believe more than one person is involved by statements they've made or by their relationship to Denise. Denise's case is also being worked on by someone else. Stacy Reese has made it her mission to find out what happened to Denise. She was only three years old when Denise vanished and grew up in the same town. Her mother babysat both Denise and Jenny when they were children. Her father was a volunteer firefighter and assisted in the search parties in the days following Denise's disappearance. Today, Stacy is a police detective in Vicennes County, or maybe that's Vicennes, uh, County, but volunteers her services to help the Flum family and become their spokesperson. She said, it's always been a part of my life. If you live in this area, you know about Denise and you know her story. It's part of you. It's part of all of us. And Denise's story is why I became a cop. Stacy has been following every tip and lead since she, the, she receives and in 2018 started a Facebook page, which was called Justice for Denise Flum, to raise awareness in the case. She said the case is, is solvable. All you need is one person, one person to come forward with the information we need, the missing link that completes this puzzle. She told Dateline she'll continue to fight for justice for Denise and closure for the family, which has become like her own. Judy echoes Stacy's statements and added they are forever grateful to, for her. She said, we're so blessed to have her in our lives. She's part of our family, really. She's, she always says I remind her of her late grandmother, and that means a lot. We have a bond, and now she's part of Denise's story. Now in their 70s, Denise's parents told Dateline they're worried they'll never know what happened to their daughter. <clears throat> our only hope is keeping her alive, and that one day leads for ju to justice for our girl, Judy told them. More than three decades after 18-year-old Denise Flum disappeared from her hometown, a man was arrested and charged with her death. In July 2020, her ex-boyfriend, 56-year-old Sean McClung, was arrested and charged with voluntary manslaughter. Um, Sheriff Laughlin said he was arrested on separate charges on defrauding a financial institution and check deception, and we had a warrant for his arrest, so he was incarcerated, and we took the opportunity to speak with him about the case again. Oh wow! They got him on on uh, on flying some pot checks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, the Fayette County Sheriff's Department announced in a press press release that Sean McClung is charged with voluntary manslaughter, resulting from the investigation the death of Denise, Denise Flum, uh, and he was once her boyfriend. The couple who were together for three years had broken up shortly before Denise disappeared. And authorities said that during the initial investigation into Denise's disappearance, McClung had been questioned and claimed she was still alive. Detectives didn't get a chance to fully question McClung in 1986 because he moved to Arizona shortly after Denise disappeared. Huh. McClung had a criminal record for domestic violence during this time in Arizona before moving back to Connersville in 2017. 
And in early 2020, McClung was being held on, uh, at the Fayetteville County Jail on two pending charges, uh, cases of fraud charge. However, they announced that he had admitted to killing her in March of 1986. Denise's parents were called in and actually faced the suspected killer. They said in a statement, we were asked to come to the jail that day while he was being interviewed and try to persuade him to tell us the truth. McClung agreed to share information about the case in exchange for immunity and dismissal of two unrelated cases, and the state agreed to this offer. The immunity agreement required McClung to, quote, not withhold any information uh, regarding Flum's disappearance and to provide information regarding movement and or disposal of her body, including, but not limited to, the location of the body. At the time of the recorded video interview in July of 2020, McClung confessed to killing Flum but did not provide a location of her remains or information that would lead detectives to find her. McClung did not receive immunity from the state since he did not satisfy the agreement and he was then charged with murder. At a court appearance in early September 2020, Denise's mom remembered when she saw him, his eyes were blank like he had no soul. And in late September, attorney Judson McMillan was appointed to represent McClung. And during an uh, conversation between the two, McClung denied knowing anything about Flum's whereabouts or circumstances surrounding her alleged death or disappearance. And he recanted his confession and said he only made it to gain his freedom. McClung then passed away later that month after spending about a week at an Indianapolis hospital dealing with an undisclosed illness. The Flum family said, we are very disappointed that he didn't give us the information we wanted, but are hopeful that his attorney may be authorized to reveal more information after his death. Until we, uh, and Sheriff Laughlin then said, until we find Denise Flum's remains, the investigation remains open. We want to give the family closure, and we have some things we're going to continue to look into. The lawyer representing McClung said he's working with the Fayette County Prosecutor and Sheriff's Department to release more information and evidence from McClung. Sheriff Laughlin and Detective Chad Blaze believe someone else knows what's hap- what happened to Denise Flum and continue investigating and asking for any tips. The Sheriff's Office said the Fayette County Prosecutor's Office and Fayette County Sheriff's Department have worked diligently and tirelessly on the Denise Flum case and continue to do so. We understand that the community takes great interest in the case and care deeply about finding the answers to Denise's disappearance. Our top priority is finding the truth and finally allowing the Flum family to have the answers they have been searching for for over 30 years. We continue to be hopeful that we will also be able to find justice for Denise Flum. Foul play is strongly suspected in Denise's disappearance and police believe she was murdered. Authorities have never recovered Denise's body and it's unclear whether McClung was in fact involved in her disappearance. And again, her case remains unsolved to this day. Denise has brown hair, brown eyes, stands five foot six, uh, six inches tall, and weighs 135 pounds. She was last seen wearing a red Motley Crew t-shirt, blue striped jeans, hip hugger panties, a beige or white bra, and old white sneakers. She was wearing a gold ring with a garnet and a silver clasp ring with a red setting. The Flum family is offering a $25,000 reward leading to the location of Denise and information leading to the arrest of person or people uh, responsible. The Fayette County Police Department continues to seek information regarding Denise Flum's disappearance. Anyone with information is urged to come forward to possibly bring closure to a case that has left an indelible mark on the hearts of the Connerville residents. 
If you do have any information on Denise's case, please do call the Fayette County Sheriff's Department at 765-825-1110, extension 604, or the Indiana State Police at 765-778-2121. If you see something, say something. And that's the story of the disappearance of Denise Flum. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, I think I think they may be right. The kid probably, I, I think the kid probably, well, he's you know, a kid now, but I think he probably killed her. But he probably had to have some help hiding her body. Agreed. Agreed. And there's I, somebody I, out there who knows something yeah. about it, but doesn't want to talk because they don't want to go to prison. Right. Right. I agree. I think there's someone else out there that definitely knows what happened. There weren't any signs <sighs> you know, of struggle. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so just to say this, if you didn't help him kill her and all you did was hide the body, imagine you can probably get off with just telling the people where the body is. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I mean, I think that family deserves closure. Yes. I wish they would get closure. Soon. I wish someone would come forward. Uh, yeah. As I said in there, the cu- the couple is in their 70s. They are getting much older. Mm-hmm. Give a family closure. If you know something, please, yeah. please call one of those two departments and, and, and give your information. Yeah. If you heard a story from your <clears throat> grandpa, tell somebody. Yeah. Because it, be, it may be the key. So that'll take us to the end of another recording week. Uh, as always, you can find uh, more information about us and what we talked about today on nerderymurder.com. That's our website, our hub for everything about this show. We do the, provide the links for everything we talk about, plus pictures of the topics we cover. <clears throat> plus there is a link to our YouTube page with Zig uh, very often updates. Yes, so uh, we do have YouTube a YouTube playlist for this episode, which this episode will literally be in, which where you can watch... As of now, the whole Doctor Who movie plus the the Night of the Doctor short and several scenes from the uh, um, the 50th anniversary. Outstanding. Appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, on our website, you can also find the link to our merchandise where if you wish to show off your nerdery and murdery fandom, please do consider going there and purchasing some merchandise. That helps us along with our Patreon where our patrons do donate to the show. Uh, it, it, it helps us. It helps with the costs to keep this show on the air. It's not free. Uh, so do please consider purchasing some merchandise or becoming one of our patrons. We please appreciate, and thank you. Please and thank you. We appreciate each and every one of you. And last but not least, don't forget to leave a five-star review wherever you can. It helps us and, other, and helps others find the uh, topics that we're discussing. So with that, I have been Zig with your nerdery. And I'm Jeffrey with your murdery. Key the music.